Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And hold on. Just wait for the sound. Got to get it up to the mic. There we go. We're having a, we're having a celebratory drink. Zima. Because, yeah, nice Zima. Those, I believe, had the uh, ca- caps on top. They were not uh, in a can. Um, they were so fresh, they still made that sound. There you go. Uh, we are, of course, celebrating a Purdue victory over the hated Indiana Hoosiers. Not exactly the blowout we were hoping for, uh, but to quote uh, Dom Toretto, doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, a win's a win. So uh, we'll take that and uh, put it on the board. Purdue's regular season now in the books. Hell of a coach, that Dom. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's, you know, the winner of multiple national titles. Uh, the Coach K of street racing. Yeah, and, and somehow... His his uh, exploits just continue to grow and grow. Uh, I don't know how he went from street racer to whatever he was in Fast Nine, but some seasons never end, Ledman. Oh, I feel like you're talking like him now. I can imagine Vin Diesel's <laughs> deep voicing that. You know, some seasons never end. For some, I got family. For some, madness comes in March. Oh yeah, there you go. There you month. go. All right, so Purdue sixty nine, IU sixty seven. Not exactly, like I said, not exactly the game we were hoping for. Purdue did everything they could to try to lose this game, uh, but they did not. Uh, so that is great news. Purdue finishes the regular season 25-6, and 14-6 uh, and six in the Big Ten, 
And in the second half of the show, we're going to look kind of ahead at the Big Ten tournament and talk about that for a bit. So before we get started, Casey, I want to ask you about a strategy that Purdue used at the end of the game and oh. what your opinion of it is. Uh, yeah. Based on that, I think you and I share the opinion. So for those that did not watch, um, Purdue had the ball down uh, up two, I believe, at this point. Or was it up three? I think we were up three. Three. Um, and IU had the ball. Basically, it was going to be seemingly a last possession. Two, actually. I think it was two. Okay. Um, and Purdue had fouls to give, so they chose to use those fouls with about, I think, 20-some seconds and then about 15 seconds to basically stop the flow of the IU offense and uh, to keep it choppy and give them less time to make something happen. What do you think of that strategy? Okay, can you elaborate on that? With words. <laughs> That's all I got. It's it's a, we're, we're an audio medium. I need a little more than that. I just don't think we're smart enough to pull it off the way that it's useful. That, well, okay, wait, what what way is it useful? In a perfect world where this gets uh, deployed, what's the point? Honestly, the perfect way to do it is to be aggressive up top, and if they get by you by a step, then you foul them. Right. Because you are making it difficult on the perimeter, not giving up a three-point shot to lose, and then as soon as it looks like they have an advantage getting into the lane, you can foul them before they get it up. That's right, so risky. you're preventing you're preventing the easy bucket, the the blow by bucket. You are preventing getting beat, and you have that kind of in your back pocket to say, "Hey, here's a foul I can give, and you don't get to go to the line." Especially when you have two of them. Mm -hmm. If if I'm Painter, maybe I say, "Go ahead, first time they drive to the hoop, foul them." Uh, but I still don't love it because that resets the shot clock or the the uh, yeah shot clock to twenty. Yeah, and it ended up getting we had a two for one where they were going to have to force yes. the ball and we were going to get the ball. I guess you could argue that being up, you want the clock to go away, but I, knowing that if they could have made a three-pointer and went up by one, I would have liked every one of those 20 seconds. Right. Even if you know they're going to go early. You still don't want to give them all that time to find a better look, a good look that they did find. And second of all, it's you're just giving away the foul the way they did it. It wasn't like an emergency thing. It was just like, oh, we are going to foul. It shouldn't be the first right. thought that you're going to foul. It's a break in case of emergency. And what you should do if you give up the first one, don't give up the second one because they're going to drive in expecting that. Yeah. Make yeah, them do just, something. They know what you're doing at that point. They're like, okay, I'm just going to try to drive. I'll yep. get a foul, and then we'll get a go back to it because they know we only have so many fouls to give. We actually had three to give, um, which Sasha then fouled again on a rebound, um, which – you know, I don't that one obviously was not intentional, but um, we did have three to give at that point. So I agree. I think it's a I think it's a bad strategy unless you can execute it, you know, perfectly. And clearly Purdue did not do that because it didn't really seem to take IU out of their rhythm and it didn't really prevent them from getting a look, which is the whole idea. So That's the thing. is this making it harder for the other team or are you just being too cute with it? And we were too cute with it. We were yeah, too cute. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah not great. Um, So. I wanted to uh, make not a correction, but give an attribution to uh, last week, last pod, when I pointed out that uh, Purdue had missed 38 free throws in their five losses. I meant to say that the Twitter user Boiler Trainer uh, had sent that info to me, uh, and I wanted to give him a shout out uh, because he is a listener. And uh, he sent that info to me, uh, and I thought it was uh, a really good piece of information. So I wanted to make sure he got some credit. So go give him a follow if you're on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, there we go. So let's get into this ball game. Um, before we we do that, though, I want to talk about ESPN's broadcasting oh, of the ball gosh. game. So I was in a situation where having a toddler, 
Uh, my son seems to know when basketball games are about to begin and says, let's go outside. So the in all one- fairness, he might not be wrong. Well, yeah. The wonders of DVR, set the game to the record, you know, extend it for an hour, make sure you get the whole thing. Get on, We take his little bike outside and we're going out on the bike, blah, blah, blah. Come back inside. I didn't realize how much time was left in the game before. Uh, so I missed the first, I think about six minutes of the game on the DVR. Um, so by the time I had come in, I tried to get it on the ESPN app because I knew I wasn't going to have anything on the DVR. Well, the ESPN app is absolute garbage, and the Purdue game didn't even show on the games currently live. So then I had to go through March Matt, or I had to go through NCAA men's basketball. It didn't show. Then I had to go to Big Ten, and it finally showed. But for some reason, there were non-Big Ten games in the Big Ten section. Finally was able to get it and watch, but like... It's got to be uh, easier than this to watch a game. And then in the second half, there was about a three to four minute stretch of the game where it was just completely black on the screen, uh, lost the signal. It dropped out completely. And then there was one point in the second half as well, uh, because I, again, my son wanted to go for a walk in the second half. So we, you know, I paused it, went out again, went on another walk, uh, came back was watching the game, and it just jumped ahead 32 seconds. No idea what happened. It was just gone. And in that time, IU had scored a point and suddenly was only down one, and I had no idea what happened. Just completely wild. Not ideal. Uh, I'm down in Greenville, South Carolina. The girlfriend found that there was a Purdue alumni of the upstate uh, event to go watch the game at uh, Yeehaw Brewing. <laughs> so we went to that. It was a pretty nice brewery. Uh, got was excited. A cowboy, for... Was a cowboy hat required on it? It was, was it not. One of those places like if you don't have one, we've got some in the back for you. Not a very country place at all. Except we got there, and as I'm walking up, I see this giant outdoor like setting with this giant TV, and I'm like, "This is great." No oh, that's we great. That's there. cool. I failed to see the bass boat underneath, and apparently there's some kind of bass fishing thing going on in Greenville because bass fishing was on the giant tv so we had to okay. go inside instead but there was a good towards the end of it, about 20 25 purdue fans all right that's nice um but yeah you know we didn't get to the game till there was like 10 minutes left in the game so i'm watching most of it on my phone most people there are just like well cool we get to watch this arkansas tennessee game happen for eight hours just review right. after review after review yeah the, final the end of that 30. game was just outrageous this kept going to the kept going to the monitor yeah, and then same thing as you. There was like a three to four minute blackout where the the TVs just went black. Uh, the people there were honestly on it pretty quickly for a, for a pack bar. They were checking, trying to change channels, and it's just like no, it's just ESPN bouncing out. So something with something with ESPN and the broadcast themselves. So boo. Yeah, very frustrating. So uh, don't have much to report, honestly, on the first portion of the game because I did not get to see a minute of it. So, uh, Casey, you tell me, how did the game start uh, and what did we look like? Um, it took a couple minutes, you know, to get in the game. It was kind of back and forth, but it really seemed like early on that Indiana's offense was just not going to have any success. Jackson Davis was seeming to struggle to, you know, occupy the rim when someone's 7-4 against him. And Purdue went on that big, you know, 11-0 run early. looked like looked like it was going to be a senior day to remember, and Purdue was going to jump on them. But Purdue just can't put stretches together anymore. And it's it's for the first time. I you call me late to the party on this, but for the first time in a while, I'm really really alarmed about us going into March because we just we have not looked like a good yeah. 
good team for most of a game or for longer than five minute stretches since the Illinois game. Yes. Well, and even that, the second half of the Illinois yeah, game. Yeah. And that kind of seems more like an aberration or we're just good against Illinois than, you know, yeah. pretty much since that collapse against Ohio state late, just teams can take us out of our stuff. And it just looks like we have to work harder to do things. And mm-hmm. part of that is definitely on the big 10. Uh, these officials suck. And the game is no fun on either side. I, th- I think both sides are probably unhappy after that game. Oh, yeah. Did you uh, – so we might as well bring this up now. Did you see the video of uh, IU head coach yelling at the officials as, you know, they put uh, .3 uh, back on the clock. But mm-hmm. you can see um, him go to the officials, and he literally yells directly in their face, shoves his own player out of the way. 21 to 11 on fouls? That's bullshit. I mean, it's never as simple as that. You literally don't have a guy on your team that's a threat. And we have two of the best players in the entire country at drawing fouls between Ivy and Edie. And, I mean, Ivy got murdered today. It it, it was every time in. And you allow a team to play a different way when they know you're not going to call whistles. And that's exactly what we've seen for most of the second half of this season. Teams just... We're going to be as physical as possible every play because we know they won't call them all. And not call them all, they just won't call hardly any of them. So it it's it's alarming, it's annoying, and I can't wait to get out of the Big Ten and not play Big Ten games anymore because yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, and I mean, we've touched on this before, the fact that Jaden Ivey gets hammered so often going through the lane and doesn't get the call. I think today was emblematic of that again. I mean... He took some bad shots. He he put himself in positions he shouldn't have been in. He was two for 11 on the day. Not great, but he only took four free throws. And if you watch that game and see all his drives and can tell me that he only got fouled twice while shooting, I think you're a liar. Uh, I mean, he, the, he just gets the hell beat out of him every time. Uh, that doesn't excuse kind of the reckless way he plays at times, but you would just – you assume you're going to get a call every now and then, and it seems like – Ivy comes up on the short end of the stick uh, more often than not. It's very frustrating. It's maddening because it seems like they just don't call the first contact, which is a clear foul, and just let it go as if that contact doesn't affect the play going right. forward. Yeah. Like, that knocks an offensive player in a bad position, or in the case of, like, Edie down low, he's just getting hammered the whole damn time. And, like, maybe they stop fouling him at the last second. But it, it just makes no sense. It's erratic. It's not consistent on either side. Purdue gets punished because we play a brand of basketball where we're trying not to foul. And I, I think Painter kind of might have to look at himself in the mirror. We're too slow on the perimeter to play aggressive the way some teams do, but I, I don't know if it's we're bigger or whatever. It just seems like we aren't able to get away with the same contact other player, other teams are, and we just get hammered everywhere. So, you know, we get labeled soft, but it's more like, what, what are we going to do? Like, we run out guys that are seven four or bigger than the other guy, and any contact uh, against us seems to get called. And then the opposite way, we just get hammered, and yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, it is. It is. So enough negative, at least for now. Uh, I'm sure we'll go negative again later. Um, what did you think of the amazing play of Eric Hunter Jr.? Um, I know he had a game earlier in the year. I believe it was Minnesota, uh, where he scored more than this. I think he scored twenty in that game. He had seventeen here. Uh, but he just looked dominant out there at times, uh, played 37 minutes, seven of 12 from the floor, including three for six from three, uh, total of five rebounds, five assists. 
Uh, I mean, he looked great. He's completely changed from where he was two months ago, and I can't say enough about whatever switch he turned in his head to kind of realize this is my last go-round. I need to get it together, and he's really turned himself around. Yeah, a lot of times we get caught up with this narrative. Like It was very clear that from the one game where he kind of stepped out and had a big game, and they asked him, like, what happened? And that was the soundbite. Oh, I realize I don't have much time left. I've got to turn it on. And that sounds nice and cute and like that's easy to carry through. That literally seems like what's happening because he is not the same player from the beginning of the season. He is being aggressive at all times, trying to get to the hoop, realizing that he has an advantage against the guy guarding him. He's doing a really good job getting to the hoop, finishing better than he was, and knocking down shots because we're always going to have shots on the perimeter with everyone else. He's you know the third, fourth, fifth option on the floor. He's going to be left open. So to see him score on this many different levels just adds – a needed dimension dimension to our offense, especially when, you know, Ivy's out there going two for 11. Uh, Stavanovich is struggling a little bit with a shot. Our bench has just completely fallen away when it comes to production. So it, it's much needed. And it just, just seem as simple as I'm going to turn it up. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to attack the hoop. I'm going to use being left-handed and long to my advantage. And he's done a really good job at picking his spots and really help carry this offense an offense that probably shouldn't need to be carried by him, but lately right. it has been. Right, right. And again, I mean, to your point about the bench, only 10 total points from the bench today, eight from Trevion Williams and two from Caleb First. Caleb First only points came from the free throw line. Um, and of course, Trevion hit two big free throws at the end of the, well, didn't he hit three free throws? He blanked his last two. Did this he? This a two-point okay. game because he missed two free throws. Okay, that's end. right. That's right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he was two for four. He hit a he hit a set of two. He wasn't uh, very put, good again. No, no. He, he, I don't know what he's doing with his passing. Uh, but what we've loved about him his entire uh, season and probably his entire career with his great passing has suddenly turned into a liability. He had three turnovers, uh, including a stretch where he had two. Uh, I think in back to back possessions Correct. where Purdue really needed to find the open man and kind of slow down find a good shot because IU was breathing down their necks and suddenly he, he just continuously turns the ball over and he does not look good out there. No, it's, it's really concerning. Uh, I, at this point, I don't, he, he rebounded the ball pretty well on defense and he had a couple steals, a couple plays late, but I mean, it's going to take a lot more than that for, to feel comfortable with him on the defensive end. Yeah. And usually you live with it because on offense, you know, he's a plus plus. He's better than every center he goes up against. Do you do you have his plus minus today up in front of you? Uh, yeah, minus six. Okay. I was I was gonna say it could not have been good. Do you know who the other negatives were? Uh I would guess Thompson. Uh-huh. He only played four minutes though, so got yeah, a I rebound. Mean, he finally did finally put a stat up. So what was I mean, what was his then? Minus five and first in was minus four five. Four minutes. Jeez. Yep. First and Thompson both played four minutes, both of them minus five. Wow, that is unbelievable. And Trey was a minus six. And uh, this team doesn't work without Trey. The rotation says we have it for sure. Does not work unless Trey is a hub on offense, which, once again, you should feel comfortable relying on that because that's what he's been his entire career. And all of a sudden, it's and it's mental stuff. It's fundamentals and not making stupid passes and not trying to force highlight looks or just he kind of looks like a quarterback who's back there trying to force open shots instead of taking what's there yeah i 
I, I don't know how to explain the drop off. I don't know if we talked about in our last episode, you know, maybe there's an injury, a knee issue. But I mean, he seemed to be jumping well for rebounds. Um, so I don't know that that's an issue with him. But whatever it is, uh, I'm very concerned that he cannot get it fixed, you know, by not only the Big Ten tournament, but the NCAA tournament, because the Big Ten tournament, we would love to win it. It'd be great. It might help our seating. But at the end of the day, it's not really what the season's about. We care more about March Madness, and who boy, not long until that uh, that comes around, and we can't have him playing this way in March Madness if we expect to go very deep. Yeah, you could definitely argue that if anyone's going to really improve from getting out of the Big Ten, it's probably Trey Williams. He's been there for four years, most of the big men in the league. It's not like they're bouncing early. They've all been here. They've all defended him. They've watched what he's done. They know his game well. And I think getting out of the Big Ten and against new fresh bodies probably will help him out a little bit. But at the same time, just it's so weird to see him play almost. He just seems limited. And I don't know if it's like his mentality, the way he's going about it, trying to force things, whether he feels pressure to do more than he should. I'm not sure what it is, but there there is definitely a disconnect between what he has shown himself to be and what he's doing right now. And it's. It's really setting this team back. Yeah, because... and I mean it's it is a stark difference too. It's not as if it's not as if he's just playing slightly below average. I mean, he looks like a player we can't trust on the court mm-hmm. in big moments right now. Right. Um. I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing that he made those free two of those free throws at the end. But you know those that true turnover period. It was at a time when Purdue's lead shrunk from nine to one. Right. You know, and I mean, he um, turned right back around. We were only up two when he went back to the line again and he missed yep. both of them. Yep. Uh, we got bailed out. I don't know what that I would be furious if I was Mike Woodson at the end of that game, because what the hell was that? Uh, Xavier <laughs> yeah, Johnson just threw the ball out of bounds. Yeah, that was very strange. Um. So, yeah, it's that's concerning. Uh, Zach Eady went 0 for 3 from the free throw line. We keep missing the front end of free throws. Mm-hmm. Ivy made all four of his, but uh, Gillis 0 for 1 was a near 90% free throw shooter coming in. Right. So I, yeah, Purdue is a team 14 for 21 uh, at the line. Not a great percentage. That's 66.7. You just, you expect more out of these guys. And I think that gets to my biggest issue with this team. And it kind of parallels a conversation we had about a week ago when we were talking about losses and how they, they often come at the worst times for Purdue and how they impact the narrative. Well, for this Purdue team, expectations were so high that everything they do, even if they win, I'm grading them against the expectations. I'm mm-hmm. not grading them ag- about against what happened. I'm I'm grading them about what I expect them to be. And if I'm doing that right now, this Purdue team is not doing well. No. I mean, because we all know what the season's about. It's not about getting close to the Big Ten title. It's not about competing every game. It's not barely beating an IU team that's off the bubble and not an NCAA tournament team and not very well, we good. Hope, we hope. We hope. There, There's, even if in the, the only way IU would get in is if they win the Big Ten tournament. That is not a good resume. It's not a very good basketball team. And we made them look pretty decent for most of the day. Like, you can say they competed hard. Sure, yeah, they played hard. But they're not good enough to stick with Purdue. They shouldn't be. And yet, they're going to hold a one-point advantage overall score this year. Against yeah, us. I mean, so Xavier Johnson, I will say, we made him look like the best point guard we've seen all season. The guy had 18 points, 12 assists, three steals, five rebounds. So, and I don't have 
I'm not going to go through and look out how many of assists were twos versus threes, but if you assume they're all twos, that's 24 additional points plus the 18. That means he was responsible in one way or another for 42 of IU's 67 points. He yeah, absolutely crushed Purdue. Yeah, uh, they shot five of 20 from three. Four of those were cop. Like, yeah, it's a bench player coming in having a game of his life. No, he's a starter. Cop is he? Okay. Uh, 34 oh, 34 minutes. minutes. Sorry, I was looking at the. Uh, points thinking that was minutes you're correct uh, right. um but yeah those he just kept getting wide open threes in the corner and that's what our team does if you have a guard that can keep the ball alive who can get inside he will if patient enough be able to find someone open because we help everywhere yep at all times we know it uh, i guarantee you other coaches know yeah, it. Yeah, other I mean, players know I, it if you and i are talking about it week after week it's not going to take a whole lot of uh yeah. folks who are paid millions of dollars to uh wrap this idea up and say hey why don't we do this we can look for a shooter here if we you know get the help yeah so uh once again that goes back to the whole theme of when you watch purdue play a team even if we seem demonstratively better more skilled bigger if you're just watching the game and ask yourself, which team does it look like basketball's harder for? It's almost always Purdue is having a harder time on the court. Yeah, yeah. And that should not be the case. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you know, you're always happy with a win, but this is a rough way to end the season. I mean, Purdue is not playing like we expect them to, not playing like they're capable of. And when you're when you're playing not up to your potential at the end of the season, heading into March Madness, it's the worst possible time for that to occur. And... I just don't know what switches to flip or what to change to get Purdue to play like they're capable of as they head into, you know, the what the season is all about. And it makes me very concerned about what we're going to see in a couple weeks. Yeah, I I think this Big Ten tournament's going to be pretty telling. Yeah. Even though it never yeah. has been. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right, true. Yeah, and it's, it's never not. Really, never but... really been an, an indicator of what we can expect in March, but – at the same time, it will be interesting to see what they can do in a tournament, you know, in a tournament atmosphere uh, as a precursor to March Madness. So uh, that's a good way uh, to take a break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about the Big Ten tournament, maybe uh, talk a little bit about what we think for March Madness seating. But we might save that till after the Big Ten tournament is over. So we will be right back with you. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we are back. So, coming up now that Purdue's regular season is over, we have the Big Ten tournament coming up. At this point, we do not yet know the exact seating. Uh, Purdue is locked into either the two seed or the three seed, and that all depends on what happens as uh, Iowa and Illinois tangle tomorrow at 7:30. Should Iowa win, Purdue will be the two seed, and should Illinois win, Purdue will be the three seed. Now you may say to yourself, "What does this mean for me?" Well, I'll tell you. If Purdue is the two seed, they're going to be playing on uh, March 11th, which is Friday. They'll be playing at 6.30 p.m. on Big Ten Network. However, if they're the three seed, they will be playing immediately following, well, 25 minutes after that game ends, also on Big Ten Network. So that's going to be roughly a 9 o'clock tip if they are the three seed. So, Which is late because the next game will be 4 o'clock at, at the latest. Wait, what Saturday. game is going to be at 4? Okay, I was like, the, wait a minute. What? If, they, if they win, they're going to have yes. a about 16-hour turnaround. Yes, yeah, because uh, the first game on Saturday is at 1, and the second game is 25 minutes after that ends. So it'll be probably about 3.30. Um, Have so, you ever seen a game finish? <laughs> well, not like that Tennessee game today <laughs> that seemed to, like you said, take about eight hours. Um, so what do we think Purdue can and needs to accomplish in the Big Ten tournament? Do we think whatever they do is going to have any impact on seeding or in the NCAA tournament, or is this kind of all baked in at this point? And what happens in the Big Ten tournament, short of maybe winning the whole thing, is not really going to make a difference. I love how everyone's just like, oh, conference tournaments don't actually matter. They don't. They don't put any weight on them. Well, I mean, I think we, we don't past, know. Well, I think past selection committees have said as much. You know, they're like. It doesn't really impact us a whole lot. We obviously have spots open just in case there's a surprise. We might move someone a, a line or two here or there, but it's not not really going to change the whole thing too drastically. The, the only reason that is is it's, it's hard no matter what to jump, you know, three to four or five spots, which is when you're talking making a big difference because generally you have, say, say you have four or five teams lined up as two. Generally their preferences are going to line up in a way where you're not really moving them back and forth regardless of who you think the top is because just geography wise what do you mean their preferences so each school gets their preference of where uh they'll be in the sweet 16 pretty much is how they decide it so at one time you know generally you put you know your strongest one seed with your weakest two seed Mm -hmm. in theory but it also you know comes into geography and do you happen to line up to where this Midwest team goes here? Whatever. So it's, just, it's, I don't think it's that the big 10 tournament and conference tournaments don't necessarily mean much. I just think it takes a lot to jump to the place where you would be moved somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So I, I think the one good thing about how this potentially lines up, Purdue could be looking at a win 
let's see here. We are going to play the winner of what? The sixth seed or the 14th and 11th seed, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, so sixth seed, it, we're looking at a Michigan, Michigan State potential? Uh, let's see. Yeah, there's a lot. There's uh, yeah. a lot going on. So that's for, the quality of program we'll probably play there if chalk wins out. Yeah, I mean this. I mean the sixth seed could be anyone. So I'm looking at a bunch of scenarios, and this is as of uh, early this morning, or I'm sorry, late this afternoon. It was updated as to what is still possible. So for the sixth seed, only three teams apparently can get the sixth seed at this point. It's going to be either Iowa, Ohio State, or Rutgers. Okay. So those are all, in varying degrees, a very good quality win. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And especially the way Iowa's been playing lately. Their offense has just been on fire. Mm-hmm. So big win. None of those guys are in particular uh, the category seeding-wise that we are, obviously. No, uh, no. If we win there, though, then all of a sudden we're potentially playing a team that is vying for a two, three, four, five seed. Right. Illinois, uh more than likely it would be Illinois because if if Purdue becomes – well, either way, because if Purdue is the two or the three, uh, those are the two seeds that would meet mm-hmm. on, on Saturday. Um, so if Chalk wins out, as Casey mentioned there, it would be Purdue versus Illinois on Saturday, regardless of who gets the two and who gets the three. Yeah, I would just imagine uh, – it's going to be hard. How do they treat Wisconsin? If, if we went out – Who is they in this scenario? The committee. Okay. If, if we went out, say we win – Iowa, Illinois, and then we play Wisconsin in the championship. We've already lost to Nebraska at home and on the road. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean Wisconsin. Wisconsin. We have not <laughs> lost to Nebraska. You, you shut All these hypotheticals get me shut lost. Shut your dirty mouth. Yeah. So, so say we get the rubber match with Wisconsin, even though it's not tied 1-1. But we right. get a third game, and we beat them. Do you think that gives Purdue claim to Wisconsin's potential two seed? Because all of a sudden that's directly going against each other. Right. Both have six losses. But they would still be two and one against us. Two and one against us, but you at that point have the same record and uh, we have a pretty similar profile. Theirs is probably... I think we have a harder strength of schedule. There you go. And I think we had a harder Big Ten schedule as well. Because if you look at our one plays versus theirs, they had their one plays were much easier than ours were. So when it's head to head like that, could that make a difference where that bumps us up to? Uh, it it seems hard to me that Wisconsin and Purdue will both be a three seed. I would think, yeah, I would think someone would have to be a two. Someone would have to be a two and probably someone. Maybe no one does slip past the three in that scenario since they both make it to the Benta title. But yeah, would the winner there be vying for maybe the last two seed? It, I mean, it would be very bizarre to me to have no Big Ten team in the top eight. So that would mean no one seed, no two seed. That would be a very strange situation. And then, you know, the committee, they in theory look at each game specifically and take note of, say, for injury. Sure they do. Sure they do. In theory, they they say they do, correct? I mean, they say they do, yes. So if you are doing that, do you also put weight to well, Wisconsin won against Purdue, but it was on two lucky shots. I yeah, know. I don't I don't I don't think they do that. Probably not, but But I mean, would it be enough? That, if they did that, it would sure help Purdue. Yes. <laughs> like oh, I, I just I don't three of those losses. Yeah, I don't know how you weigh what of those victories matter most if they have the exact same schedule in the same conference? Um, two and one, do you do just give the tiebreaker to Wisconsin? I don't know. But that's a case where 
the Big Ten tournament could decide a seed because you have two teams with a similar, such a similar profile as those two teams. So it could happen. We also have to see what happens in other conferences. Right. Um, there's a couple big games left on the schedule today, tomorrow. It's so much conjecture going everywhere that it's hard to have any substantive talk about it because it's just it, there's still chaos to be had in scheduling. And for Purdue, I think it's just most important that we look we have to look good. Yeah. Yeah, and we like we said earlier, we have not looked really good since the second half of that Illinois game. Um and I think one of the fascinating things at least from a Big 10 perspective as we move toward uh you know, the Big 10 tournament of course, but also selection Sunday is what happens with Rutgers because they, you know, had that stretch where they were just knocking off ranked teams left and right. Um they don't have a particularly great resume other than that. I mean, right. they're a they're 11 and 8 in conference, which is obviously a lot better than than most of us thought they would be. Um, but they're sitting at uh, 17 and 12 overall, and I'm just I'm going to be fascinated to see what they maybe what they need to do to get in. Or it would if probably already... be beat us, right? Or yeah, beat I mean, the, I beat whoever the two, three, cause... four seed. They have to win probably into Saturday to feel particularly good about their chances. Right. Right, because, again, they're in that group that can get the four, five, or six seed in the Big Ten tournament, depending on how uh, the final games of conference play out. But uh, to me, I want to see them in the tournament. Um, they're a fun team to watch. I obviously hated seeing them beat Purdue. It was fun to see Ron Harper Jr. rip out <laughs> IU's heart, though. That was nice, knowing that it doesn't happen just to Purdue. Uh, so that was fun. And I think they're a team that could really, really cause some chaos in March. Yeah, absolutely. They have some guys, and sometimes it's as simple as that who yeah, you have on yeah, the floor. Exactly. And they play a style that's that can give teams problems. Obviously, they've they're not scared. They're definitely no. not scared. They're not. You know, if they make it in, they're going to be what like an eleven seed, ten seed, yeah, would, maybe. They might even be one of those. You know, the first four uh, games. You don't feel good about that if you're if you're sitting no. up there as a high seed and you're like, no. wait, I gotta I gotta play a team that's already knocked off like five straight five top twenty five teams. teams? Yeah. No, no, thanks. No, yeah. no. I got to uh, take on Bob Harper Jr. Mm-mm, please. No. Can, yeah. Where's where's Iona? <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, this is the time of year we as basketball fans really live for. You know, it's so exciting. You just never know what's going to happen. There's so much that's out of out of your control. I mean, you know, we've gone and back and forth on this podcast about is Purdue going to be a one seed? Obviously not going to happen now. Is Purdue a two? Is Purdue a three? Is Purdue a four? We obviously want to stay in that two and three range because it's so much easier because you avoid the one for, you know, so much longer. But you just, you never know what's going to happen in your corner of the bracket. Um, we know we've actually seen a one seed lose, you know, uh, in recent years. Upsets happen every year. It's March Madness for a reason. And when you get put in a bracket, you're going to look at it and say, oh, you know, this could be a hard bracket. We might have to play this team, that team. But you don't really know what's going to happen. And that is the beauty of March. But it's also what causes so many headaches for fans yep. like us because it seems like Purdue never gets the broken bracket, never gets the easy uh, road to March. But you just never know when it could happen. It could happen this year. And Purdue has to be ready for that. And the way they're playing right now, I just don't feel good about it. Yeah, we got to hope that a lot of this is just bad big, big Ten juju, and it's just all over us and sticky. Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten has just been a grind this year. There are a few bad teams at the bottom. I mean, Northwestern, Penn State, uh, Nebraska, they're not very good. Um, it, I mean, it's just, it's true. But 
when you get even toward the middle of the league, those teams, even though they might not have the best records, those teams are tough. I mean, you look at Indiana, 9-11, they're tough. Michigan, 10-9 in conference, tough. Michigan State, Rutgers, Ohio State, those teams are below the top four in the conference, and they have given Purdue fits the entire year. So maybe seeing a different style of play, seeing a different conference is just what this team needs to kind of change their vibe, change their luck. Uh, I hope that's enough. I mean, we look better against Villanova and North Carolina than we did pretty much any of the Big Ten teams, even winning, just style-wise. And I, yeah, there's it really seems like, for whatever reason, Big Ten games are officiated and called in a way that make them close, even when they shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's, uh, wow. It just, you know, we've seen these refs game mm-hmm. in and game out, and you just, you wonder how they keep their jobs. Yeah. It, it, it's just, I mean, they're they're very bad, and we've, we've preached on it all year. And you hate to be the fan who's always like, oh, the refs are terrible, the refs cause this, the refs cause this. I'm not, I don't think I've, I've said at all all year that the refs caused Purdue to lose a game. I don't believe I've said that, but the refs have certainly made games less watchable. They've made games less fun. I'm thinking mainly of the, uh, you know, the Trevion Williams dunk that they waved off for mm-hmm. a foul. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't know the names of referees. No, I know I watch a lot of college basketball, but still, I should not know your name if you're a referee. You should be a silent faceless, nameless person who I do not care about. Um, And I just, I wish that were the case in the Big Ten. Yeah. And the problem becomes, in theory now, all those games were just not important. And now it's it's do or go home. So the weight of everything, every call, every shot just intensifies to the 10th degree. And we're going to not be very happy if, if it continues through the Big Ten tournament the way the season has. And there's yeah. no reason to think it won't. No, absolutely. I mean, I don't know what this Purdue team has shown you in the last, you know, month that makes you think they're suddenly going to turn it on in the Big Ten tournament and and, and not, go through and win three games. And it's not just us. That IU Rutgers game this week was a mess. Xavier Johnson <laughs> out there acting like a punk, just shouldering people, and then the other guy gets a flagrant foul. I there is just a lot to not understand about a lot of situations. And now we're about to uh, put it in a pressure cooker. And I, I just get the feeling one of these games is going to get turned by a bad call real bad. Yeah. Yeah. And probably multiple. Well, I mean that, you know, the Purdue Maryland game almost ended with absolute chaos (laughs) because of God knows what happened with those officials. It is ridiculous that Purdue has a shot clock. They have. It hey, looked awful again today. They had better fix it on the offseason. That's yeah. all. I mean, it it surely can't be, can't that, be that hard. hard. And it can't be that much money. No. Do you know anyone else that does it? I Not offhand. I've never seen no. it. So, yeah. I I think we're to the point where now everything we can say is just conjecture. But, like, we'll, we'll know more when the Big Ten is settled tomorrow. And we'll have actual games to focus on right now. But I think we're both just lost in the haze. of There are so many hypotheticals. So much... Maybe this, if this, if that. Um, this is a stressful time to be a fan, so we're we're all with you at home. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no, especially when your team ends the season, ends the regular season like Purdue did, yeah. where you just like they won some games, but they won them barely, and they were you know frustrating to watch and not playing up to potential, and let a conference title kind of slip through their fingers, and you're thinking it's okay. You know, we're building toward March. March is the goal. This has always been about March. 
but like at a certain point you got to flip a switch and you got to be ready to go and i just again i we not lived it no it's we're still we're like in the dark on the wall if you move into a new house like where's that switch again we're just looking yeah. for it or it's like when you you go to a hotel and you don't know where the switches are we we got to find something and and right now you know the 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 negative Purdue fan in me is fighting to get out, and he's uh, he's broken down some walls. The light popped on, and Freddy Krueger is behind our shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He goes the, to uh, Purdue past. Yeah, uh, and you and you hate to be a fan like that. You know, it's not a fun it's not a fun that's way to be pro- a fan. That's the problem. When's the last time we had some fun in a game? Because it's just been cringe for like two hundred plus straight minutes. Yeah, I mean at least because <sighs> I. You know, the whole reason we, we love sports and we love Purdue basketball and Purdue football is it's it's an escape. You know, you no matter what you've got going on in your lives, you can always take, you know, two hours if it's a basketball game, three, maybe three and a half if it's a football game, sit down and you don't really have to think about what's going on. You can and just enjoy it and think back fondly maybe to when you were on campus or, uh, you know, a time you went to a game or watched a game with friends and family. And it just reminds you of those earlier, maybe maybe carefree times in your life. And just lately, it is just it's been frustrating to watch it. You know, it's not it's not whisking me away to a time of carelessness. It's it's me watching a game going, oh, God, we're so much better than this. What are we doing? Yeah, it's frustrating because even the things we're good at, we're not very good at right now. And how I it's not an easy answer. It It's clearly not an easy answer because we don't have one yet. So, no, no, I not a. Not only Purdue doesn't have an easy answer, Purdue doesn't have a hard answer either uh, at this point. You know, at this point, we are what we are. We have to hope that the defense can do enough and that the offense can somehow find themselves to be that most efficient offense in Ken Palm history that we were at one point during the year. So, you know, that's our hope. Um, you know, we're recording this a day early. We usually record on Sunday. We're recording on Saturday. Uh, so we're not going to be able to give you uh, the actual information on where Purdue will be seated in the Big Ten tournament. But luckily... Uh, our next episode will be recorded on Wednesday, uh, which will mean we'll maybe have Tuesday night, maybe Tuesday. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have the full Big Ten tournament schedule and we can kind of look ahead uh, more clearly, give you an idea of who Purdue is going to play and when they're going to play them. So, uh, Casey, unless you got anything else to say about possible seating or uh, anything you re- failed to mention about the IU game, I think that's going to do it for us today. No, just uh Try to enjoy the last four days of peace in your life because yeah. it, it's going to be a whirlwind uh, yeah. next couple weeks. You know, it's weird. I've I've hardly ever felt worse after a win against IU than I have today. So uh, I'll take the win, of course. It, I love it. Does, it but it, man. Uh, one piece of good news, uh, that North Carolina win is going to look a lot better after they just stomped. Duke. Oh, did they beat Duke? 94 to 81. Oh, my God, Coach Caleb. Losing in his last home is delicious. Yeah, so Kansas, oh, that's almost, delightful. Kansas almost went down in OT, but ended up coming back. Uh, number 12, Texas Tech lost. That will help Purdue out a little bit. Uh, Villanova won. Number 13, Tennessee won. So uh, I'm not saying the two seed is entirely up for grabs, but it's still there on the table if Purdue runs, if they run the table. I, I love your optimism. I don't agree. Uh, but I love your optimism, and I hope you are right. Someone so, has to be a two-seed, Ledman. There you go. That is true. they got to be four of them, actually. Uh, so there you go. Uh, we'll look ahead to the Big Ten Tournament in our next episode. For Casey and myself, thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to rate, review, hammer that subscribe button, give us some comments, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, 
Instagram even. we got a youngling running our Instagram, yeah. so you can look at all those fancy pictures. Uh, but thank you for listening. It's been a great season. And now let's look toward March, folks. Let's boiler up. Boiler up.